Welcome back to the Transform Your Mind to Transform Your Life radio and podcast. This is Life Coach Marnie Young, and you're listening to Transformation Fridays with Coach Marnie. Today, I want to talk on the topic of persistence, how to stick with it. Nothing in this world... Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Fun fact, 35% of New Year's resolutions are broken before Dr. King's birthday, January the 19th. So if you want to be successful, develop the habit of reaching decisions promptly and of changing these decisions slowly. People who fail without exception have the habit of reaching decisions very slowly and changing these decisions quickly and often. All right. So, you know, I like to use stories to make my point and for teaching, um, you know, to expand the teaching a little bit more. So let me share a story that I heard about that is a great example of persistence. Author was an airborne paratrooper. Jumping out of airplanes killed his knees, his back, his legs. When he got out of the army, he walked with a cane and couldn't do anything. So he gained a lot of weight. You know, if you if you can't move, then that's what happens. He could not support his weight, so he couldn't exercise. The doctor at the VA told him to accept his faith that he would never walk normal again. His health rapidly declined. One day, he was surfing the internet. He came across Diamond Dallas Page doing yoga. He said to himself, I can do this. He bought the DVD. He could use his arm to support his weight and get a cardio workout. Author was 297 pounds when he started doing yoga. He kept falling down, but he would get back up again. Every day, he got better and better. And in 19 months, he had lost over 100 pounds and could not only walk without a cane, but he could run. (laughs) If he didn't persist, he would still be 297 pounds or more. You have to have desire to persist. Your desire has to make you feel good. Change rarely works unless it is motivated by feeling. Author wanted to feel better, to look better, and he started losing weight and feeling better. He was proud of himself. Now, this is very similar to my own husband's personal story. He had back surgery, couldn't do anything. He was, you know, he's a bodybuilder, got lots of muscle, couldn't lift weights, couldn't do anything. But guess what? He could swim. (laughs) And he started swimming. And swimming helped him to keep the weight off. In fact, he's down to his lowest weight now with a bad back. Um, So yeah, I mean, if you want something badly enough, you will find a way to get it done. Can you believe that, you know, a 297-pound man will think of yoga and yoga actually worked for him? Um, Yeah, so also had to do with probably his mindset. 
because anything that you put your mind to do, then you can possibly do it. So yeah, if you persist with anything, then you are going to end up with that thing. You know, some people who have accumulated great fortunes did so because of necessity. They developed the habit of persistence because circumstances force them to become persistent. Those who have cultivated the habit of persistence seems to enjoy insurance against failure. That's what I just said. If you persist, then you will become successful. No matter how many times they are defeated, they finally arrive at the top of the ladder. Sometimes it appears that there is a hidden guide whose duty is to test us through all sorts of discouraging experiences, just to see if you've got the stick with it mentality. Those who pick themselves up after defeat and keep on trying finally arrive at their destination. The hidden guide lets no one enjoy great achievement without first passing the persistence test. Those who fail the persistence test simply did not make the grade. Those who pass are rewarded for their persistence and in return, they get the goal they are pursuing. But that is not all. They receive something infinitely more important than material compensation. They acquire the knowledge that every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. People who learn from experience the importance of persistence will not accept defeat as being anything more than temporary. They are the ones whose desires are so persistently applied that defeat is finally changed into victory. We see that an overwhelmingly large number of people go down in defeat, never to rise again. We also see the few who take the punishment of deceit of defeat as an urge to greater effort. But what do we not see is the silent but irresistible power that comes to the rescue of those who persist in the face of discouragement. If we speak of this power at all, we call it persistence and let it go at that. One thing is sure, if you do not have persistence, you will not achieve noteworthy success in any calling. I'm studying the book right now, Think and Grow Rich. And there is an excellent story of the author, Napoleon Hill, and how he persisted in the face of seven major life defeats to become the author of the best self-improvement book ever written. So, I want to include in this episode a brief biography of Napoleon Hill, as is written in the book, Think and Grow Rich, one of the later editions, obviously not in the first editions. So here is Hill's story. Hill was born into poverty in the backwoods of Virginia. Young Nap, as he was called, was a local gun-toting troublemaker. He would probably have ended up as a criminal had his widowed father not met and married Marta Rami. Knapp's new stepmother set out to change the family's troublemaker ways, and she started 
by trading a typewriter for his six-shooter pistol. She told him, if you become as good with a typewriter as you are with that gun, you may become rich and famous and known throughout the world. Her faith and encouragement turned young Knapp around. And by the age of 15, he was submitting stories to the local newspaper and doing everything he could to get himself out of his meager circumstance. After completing high school and one year at a business college, he wrote an audacious letter to Rufus Ayers, one of the most powerful men in the call industry. He wrote to apply for a job and got the job. <laughs> so this is, I'm going to list his setbacks. You know, we're talking that he had seven. So this is his first setback. Setback number one. He got the job. He advanced rapidly until he was assuming responsibilities and receiving a salary far out of proportion to his age. He was also so, he was proven to be so trustworthy and honest that Iris promoted him to replace the manager, making this 19-year-old the youngest manager of a mine and in charge of 350 men. Then his employer lost his fortune and Hill lost his position. He was out of a job, right? Setback number two. His next position was that of sales manager of a large lumber manufacturer in the South. Again, his advancement was rapid. He did so well that his employer took him into partnership with him. The business was making tons of money. And Hill was again at the top of his game. Then disaster struck. The 1907 panic swept down and overnight it rendered him poor by destroying the business and relieving him of every dollar that he had. Setback number three. Hill decided to go to law school. He attended law school at night and worked as an automobile salesman during the day. He saw the need for trained automobile mechanics. So he opened an educational department in the manufacturer plant and began to train ordinary machinists into automobile assembly and repair work. The school prospered, paying Hill over $1,000 a month in net profits. His banker knew the business was prospering. Therefore, he keep lending him money to expand. Then when he couldn't pay, he took over the business as calmly as if it had belonged to him, which it did because, you know, he was in debt and the money that he was in debt, you know, belonged to the bank. So it's just like a mortgage, you know, the house doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the bank. As soon as you don't pay, they come and take it because it really belongs to them. So from an income of more than a thousand dollars a month, he was suddenly once again reduced to poverty. But you know, there's a saying that says you can't keep a good man down. You know, you know, look at if you could make a million dollars and you lose it all, they say that you can make that million dollars back because there's something in you that keeps, you know, rising. You know, you never actually go down. So, and this story is similar. Hill was successful in anything that he did. 
So this time for setback number four, Hill decided to move to Chicago. His first position in Chicago was that of an advertising manager for a large correspondence school. He once again did so well that the president of the school induced him to resign his position and to go into the candy manufacturing business with him. The business grew rapidly and soon they had a chain of stores in 18 different cities. Then his partners got greedy and got Hill arrested on false charges so they can take the business away from him. Hill was cleared of any wrongdoing, but once again, he was out of a job and had no money. Wow. How many of you would keep going? You know, most of you would say, you know what? Hey, this is not for me. Let me just go collect welfare or something from the government and just sit my ass down because hey, it's not working. But Hill kept going. He, persistence was his middle name. Setback number five. Hill then turned his efforts to teaching advertising and salesmanship at one of the colleges in the Midwest. His school prospered. Every single setback, it starts off with prospering. His school prospered from the very beginning. He had a resident class and also a correspondence school. Then President Woodrow Wilson declared the United States was entered a war against Germany. And in one stroke, all his students were drafted into war and he'll charged off more than $75,000 in tuition fees. Once more, he was penniless. My goodness. Setback number six. The time had come for another turning point. Hill decided to sit down at his typewriter, his first love, and to his astonishment, his hands began to play a tune on the keyboard. He had never written so rapidly or so easily before. The words were downloaded to him. Hill wrote a long essay in which he described a new idealism based on the golden rule that he had thought could emerge from the war. He declared that he would help spread the word and vowed that he was going to find money to launch a new magazine to be called Hill's Golden Rule. His persistence paid off. By early January of 1919, his Golden Rule magazine was on the newsstands. It was a hit and made loads of money until he wrote an article exposing some bad men and they tried to kill him. I guess they were probably from the mob, right? He had to run for his life and hide out. In fact, they end up killing Hill's partner. So he had to run and hide out. Setback number seven, we're coming to the end. <laughs> Setback number seven, while in hiding, Hill decided to complete the project he started 20 years earlier. In March of 1918, Hill published the results of his efforts, a multi-volume masterwork titled The Law of Success. No one had ever seen anything like it. It was a phenomenon, a runaway bestseller. A little over a year later, Y. Hill was enjoying the fruits of his long labor 
and persistence, the stock market crash of 20, I mean, sorry, of 1929 hit. The bottom fell out of everything, including the market for books. All right. So this is where we find victory. After seven setbacks, we find victory. So though he never gave up in his vision, like the rest of America, Hill struggled through the depression. He lectured, he wrote, and he taught in every way he could. But it was very hard to preach personal achievement to a country that had lost faith in itself. Napoleon Hill made it his personal mission to turn the tide by creating a variety of self-help programs. But it became disappointingly apparent that it was going to take more than one man to do it. When Franklin D. Roosevelt was elected president, he reached out to Napoleon Hill. They released Think and Grow Rich to such resounding success that it sold well over a million copies even before the depression ended. To date, it had sold more than 60 million copies worldwide and still sells more than a million copies a year in its various editions. So this was the story of persistence from Napoleon Hill. He obviously persisted because he wanted to be successful. He had the mindset that if you persist, then you will win. Once you had breath in your body, you can still persist. So why do you think that Napoleon Hill persisted? I believe it's because he wanted to be rich. He was born poor and he decided that he was never gonna stay poor. So why do you persist? Are you persisting? Or do you stay down when you get knocked down? How many people you know would keep trying after they've been knocked down seven times? The devil would have gotten his knocks in your mental state and told you that you're a failure and you will never be successful. You don't have what it takes, etc. If the devil leaves you into depression or disappointment, then he's got you. He has removed your heart, your desire. You become just like cold tap water with no any amount of fire or steam or any motivation to do anything. Do you know what happens at 212 degrees? Water boils. At 211 degrees, it's just hot water. What can hot water do? Not much. What can boiling water do? Everything. The steam from boiling water can power locomotives. Boiling water can cook your food. That one degree is a difference between mediocrity and great achievement. You can't be cold top water. You gotta got some heat. You gotta have something in your blood. You have to have fire in your veins. <laughs> and if you've got that, then you will keep going. 
this little one degree of extra effort is usually the difference between winning or losing in life. It is where you find the top athletes, the ones who played through the pain, the ones who get back up after being knocked down. Most Olympic track events are won by seconds by the person who desires it the most and is willing to give it that extra 1% to get to boiling. Let me give you a few statistics. The Daytona 500 is won every year with a one second difference between the winner and the loser. The first place winner takes home a grand prize of 1,650,000. And do you know what the second place winner gets? The one that's just hot water takes home 600,000. That 1% is worth over a million dollars. We see the losing team crying at the Super Bowl. They were so close. And that all that was needed was a little more heat. One extra degree of effort. And we know how much they win when they win the Super Bowl. The, actually, the winning team doesn't even get $650,000. You know, all the accolades go to the Super Bowl champions, <laughs> right? Second place doesn't mean doesn't do anything. You can just say you were in the finals. That's, you know, that's your, you know, that's your claim to fame. You got to the finals, but you couldn't cross the finish line as a top team. So what makes the difference? Why only a few people in this world turn it up that extra one degrees? The difference is courage. The difference is confidence. The difference is self-reliance, stamina, and of course, persistence. As Les Brown says, you gotta be hungry. If you're not hungry, you're not gonna turn it up. If you're not hungry, you're not gonna give that extra 1%. If you're not hungry, you're gonna stay down when you get knocked down. I love Mike Tyson. He did an interview on why he dominated the sport. And it went like this. <laughs> it's amazing. And this, this is, this is, you know, I'm channeling Mike Tyson here. He's saying, as I approach the ring, my confidence builds. This is my world. The ring is where I excel. The closer I get to the ring, the more confidence I get. As I step into the ring, I am God. I am invincible. I never take my eyes off my opponent. I stare him down. And as soon as he looks away, I know I've won. I see the fear in his eyes. So let's fast forward to the Tyson and Buster Douglas championship fight. Tyson was in his glory. He was dominating the fight. He hit his knockdown punch and Douglas falls to the ground. The count begins. Douglas can't get up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Bell, <laughs> saved by the bell. Douglas goes to his corner and he remembers his why, why he must win this fight. You see, Douglas's mother told him that he was going to be the heavyweight champion of the world. She believed in him when no one else did. And she had died two days before that fight. He couldn't let her down. 
That was all he needed to bring his desire to boiling point. That is all he needed to push through that extra 1%. That was all he needed to push through pain and fear. He came back out and Tyson was no longer a god. He was no longer a giant. He saw in his mind's eye an an ant that could be crushed. And he started to fight with that end goal in mind. Opportunity came in the 10th round. An uppercut to the right jaw. And Tyson fell like Goliath. (laughs) The new heavyweight champion of the world was Buster Douglas. Yeah. Why? Because he had to have it. Why? Because he couldn't let down his mom. He knows that she was watching from heaven and he couldn't let her down. What is your reason? What is your why? Is it your children? Do you need to work hard so that your children will have a better life than you did as a child? What is your why? That's my why. Generational increase, right? I was born poor. My children doesn't need to be poor. My grandchildren doesn't need to be poor. That's my why. If you stick with it, you will win. Let persistence become your friend and do not be cold water. I hope that I was able to encourage you today to let persistence become your friend. I've shared several stories. I've shared Buster Douglas. I've shared Napoleon Hill. I've shared Arthur, and all these people have in common that they wanted something and they decided to get it, to have it. That's all it takes. The decision that you are going to do what it takes. The decision that to persist until you win, because if you persist, you will win. So thanks for tuning in. The Transformation Fridays with Coach Myrna. Hope you're inspired today to go out and transform your life by first transforming your mind. Until next time, namaste.